The following podcast contains spoilers and adult language. We recommend listening after you've already seen the movie in question, but we're not your boss. Do what you like. Brought to you by our patrons at patreon.com slash matineemanities. If you like what you've heard and like to hear more, consider becoming a patron. Donations start at just $1 a month, and half of all profits after hosting costs go towards actual manatee habitat preservation. Because we figured, you know, why not? Hope you enjoy the show. on Rotten Tomatoes. That was 5.7 out of 10, right? 5.7 out of 10. Okay. So basically 57% on IMDb and then a mere 27% on Rotten Tomatoes. Although the audience score is 45%, which is still below 50, but, uh, <laughs> much better. Yeah. Fantastic Four, 2005, starring Ion Gruffod, Gruffod, help me out. I have, I have entirely no idea how to pronounce his name. He's Welsh, and the people the Welsh just have weird pronunciations. No offense if you're Welsh and you're listening, but my goodness, the, I I have no idea how to pronounce this guy's name, and I'm, I'm sorry. It's like Aeon Grufud. I don't know. Gruffud. I like the sound of every Welsh name I hear spoken to me. I just can't read them and didn't make the pretty sound. Yeah, exactly. Like, if, if you, if it was, if I was Welsh or if we had a Welsh friend who could, who could say this guy's name, it would be fantastic, but as as far as I know, like I don't, and or at least I don't think I have any Welsh friends. So it's yeah. Anyway, I I think whoever first did the job of translating Welsh into the Phoenician alphabet probably didn't do the best job. <laughs> probably. <laughs> need to take advantage of more consonants in there. But, uh... 
Yeah. It's, it's fine. Yeah. So, Ian Cruffin, who it turns out is super British, and I didn't notice that when I was watching the movie, so I guess he did a pretty good job. Yeah. Jessica Alba as Sue Storm, the Invisible Woman. Mm-hmm. Chris Evans as Johnny Storm, the, Fanta- er, the Human Torch, and the only reason to watch this movie. <laughs> uh, personal really? opinion. Oh, okay. <laughs> Michael Chiklis. Mr. Shield himself, <laughs> the guy who who Shield for 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 all intents for my for my personal opinion was the only redeeming quality of this movie. <laughs> I, I definitely give it him second. There's a um, I mean we'll talk about, it, but yeah, he and. He and the Human Torch definitely sound like they're in a different movie than the other characters. <laughs> For sure. For sure. The last one is Julian McMahon as Victor Von Doom slash Doctor Doom, I guess. Mm-hmm. And he was fine. I, I, I don't like the interpretation of the character, but I don't think that's up to him, you know? Yeah, it's it was probably more of a writer's decision or directorial decision of how to how to direct Doom, but I mean, he, he did he did okay for what what he was given. I suppose. Well, Doom, like Doctor Doom is my dude. Like I love Doctor Doom <laughs> in the comics, and I think if he, if the intellectual rights to him were in Marvel's house, he'd be a great recurring villain. In the stinger of every Avengers movie they've had so far, <laughs> I do not think he works in this context as a fifth mutant who has lightning powers. But well, okay. that's fine. Okay, so just as as a as a fair warning. I, I I don't really have much comic book knowledge at all. So, like, I don't know Dr. Doom's actual backstory. I don't know if he actually had these kinds of things or if he was just a mad scientist who wore uh, a cape and uh, a, a metal faceplate to cover something. I, I don't know how it works, so... Well, that that saves me some time, because my next question is going to be Sam. 
What is your experience with the Fantastic Four, Friday? Well, well, there you go. Like, I, I know it's a comic book that came out in the 60s. And that's, like, I, I, I know the, the characters because I played them in Marvel Ultimate Alliance. But that's kind of it. So. Fair enough. Yeah. I know this is the... The second... So, okay, there were two Fantastic Four movies in this series of them. Um, and this series is the second of three Fantastic Four franchises they tried to make. So okay. there's the new one. One just came out in like 2015 mm -hmm. that I still haven't seen that everyone tells me I don't need to but I will anyway at some point. <laughs> there was this one which I thought was the first. There's actually one made earlier in 1991 I think. Actually let me look that up real quick. And I can edit out the, uh, the typing effects. Yeah, but, okay. but <laughs> um, why? Where's the fun in that? Oh, I don't have to do anything, I guess. Yeah. Uh, yeah, there was one in 1994, which did not go anywhere, and I think was just a, uh, made by the studio to keep it within the house. Okay, so, okay, so, so, like, they would, they would just kind of be making the movie so they could hold on to the rights, basically. Yeah, like, apparently it didn't actually get released, and the only reason I know about it is because people have talked about it since then. Okay, yeah. Fantastic Four 1994 was starring bloop, 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 uh, Alex Hyde White as Dr. Richards, Jay Underwood, Rebecca Staub, etc., etc. That one I haven't seen, but I've seen clips from it, and I need to see it because it looks for all the world like the best one so far, with a budget of like $8. Like, it's... Yeah, because at least according to Wikipedia, it says it was, it was, um, produced by Roger Corman, who's like the, who's like the person for low-budget films. Yeah, so that one... I mean, I think what we need to do is we need to see all three Fantastic Four movies.
some point. I I would agree with that, and I I know that it's it's utter morbid curiosity, but after watching this movie, I kind of want to see Rise of the Silver Surfer, even though I've heard it's universally panned. But I'm still curious. You know, I have seen that one. Like, this movie I've seen... Actually, this one I've probably seen like eight times at this point because it's always on TV. Yeah. Like, this is sort of the default hotel movie or when I have cable... It's on every Sunday movie. Um, <laughs> like I've I've half watched this a dozen times or half a dozen times probably when I'm hungover or when I'm showering in a hotel that has a TV in the same room or something. <laughs> so I'm actually pretty familiar with this one. How many, did you see this before today? Or is this the first? I I did see it probably about a decade ago. I do remember watching it. It was, it was probably on DVD at some point at someone's house. I forget where exactly, but I know I saw it before this and I kind of remember thinking, eh, and after watching this one, I kind of, again, think, eh, but we'll get more into that, I, I suppose, as time goes on. Yeah, I remember I, I really didn't like it the first time I saw it, because I was pretty unimpressed. I think I was coming off of X2 or something. Like, I'd seen some of my favorite Marvel movies leading up to it. Yeah. But now, I've been watching Iron Fist for like a week, and this seems fantastic. So, (laughs) (laughs) So that's, that's not a very, that's not a recommendation for Iron Fist than I would guess. Dude, it's so, I mean, we can, we can talk about that sometime. (laughs) I feel like they were trying to do something, and then not everyone on the writing staff knew what that thing was, because it seems like it's trying to be an homage slash parody of a certain kind of 80s martial arts movie and then they don't go nearly far enough in that direction so it just seems dumb when actually it's dumb in a very specific very callback way a couple times and then isn't the rest of the time so it's a weird like 
Like, I think half of the people think it's a joke. It, 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 it's a different show. It's, I haven't finished it yet. Okay. But the Fantastic Four... I have read comic books before seeing the movie. And I don't know why, like, these characters never really grabbed me the way, like, X-Men do, or the Avengers do, or whoever. Like, I just, I don't really care, like, they seem sort of like the first attempt at the X-Men before they got it right. As far as like team dynamics and complementary powers and drama that's going to be part of the plot because of how the team gets along, you know? Yeah, that that would that kind of, I don't again I don't I don't know because I haven't really read the comics but it kind of came across like that in the movies like in the movie I was just thinking well why why are they working together aside from the fact that they're all they all have these uh, mutated mutated DNA and everything and just it seems like they were all just kind of hated each other and the, so just, their backgrounds like the things they have in common are weird like two, yeah. two of them are exes two of them are siblings two of them are best friends the the best friend one of them the, so the best friend is best friends with the, the ex-boyfriend of the sister of the brother but then the brother and the best friend also used to be in the military together and like everyone grew up in a town of like six people because they all it's a real inbred social group. Yeah, it's it's a complex dynamic, and it just I don't know. At least at least for me, when I when they were kind of talking with each other in close quarters, it just felt kind of grating for me, just in general. because well, they're just... But, they're bickering. The entire movie yeah. is bickering. Yeah. Just, like, guys, calm down, take a chill pill, and, you know, try to actually work through some shit. But, well, okay, so, that's one sort of endemic problem with the whole thing is everyone's in high school or they act like it. Um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I think that really works in the favor of a couple characters, namely the thing in the Human Torch. 
because yeah. their bickering is fun to watch. <laughs> the rest are just... just bickering. <laughs> just kind of ir- just kind of irritating in general. Yeah, so, so okay, so this movie starts... It, it starts pretty strong, like the first eight seconds I'm into... <laughs> because you mean like the 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 Marvel logo thing? Ah, with, uh, with the flipping comic book. No, I forgot that, that. one. You know, that I first twelve like. seconds. I like. meant the first twelve okay. seconds. This there you go. Well, no, because there's the um. With a movie of this quality, I expect there to be a black screen with white text explaining the world taking place in. <laughs> or a quote. I, I usually expect one of those two things. And it doesn't do any of that. You see, like, welding, and it pans out from Dr. Doom's face, and it pans out further, you see that it's a statue that the guy's made it for himself because he's a megalomaniac. And that's fun. And then immediately two of the adult characters start bickering (laughs) at its feet. (laughs) Okay. Quick question before we get any further. Now, again, because of my lack of knowledge in the comic books, for some strange reason, I thought that that uh, the the surname Von Doom was short for something. Is it, or is it is was his name just Victor Von Doom from like the start? I don't know if they've changed it and made it less ridiculous in the years since, but at first, and as far as I know, it's just Bob Doom is his family name. Hmm. Okay. Because that just... It's it's one of the few things that kind of crops up to me a lot is hearing that name and thinking... Why would anyone trust him ever with a name like that? Oh, because you don't want to be racist. It's a Latvian last name. Right, but I mean, yeah, well, okay, <laughs> fine. Whatever. Alright, you, you and your logic. God, quit it. It's like the, there's that lady that works by a pharmacy. Her name is like Soom Bitch or something, but she's Vietnamese now. <laughs> like, I'm not gonna. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm serious. Like, you don't just get on people about that. It's a different language. Alright, fine. Okay, feel fine. bad Uh-oh. about yourself. That's <laughs> what I was I will this time. 
But uh, that's part of the reason I like him so much is his name is Dr. Doom. And what he decides he can be super villain, he's like, my name is Dr. Doom. Like, <laughs> like, I don't have to do anything. Like, I want attention. That's why I'm doing this. I'm not going to change my name. <laughs> and then in the comics, he's... He's a pretty good villain because he has a bunch of crossover stuff, and so he's he's got an Iron Man suit kind of thing that he wears under his cloak. Hmm. But he's also a sorcerer, and he's also a super scientist, and he does all the things that it seems like an enterprising person would do in a universe like the Marvel Universe where there are aliens and robots and shit. Mm-hmm. Because why would you not? Like, you can go over here and steal a god hammer and then go over here and steal a super suit and then you're a super suit with a god hammer better than three characters. Like, do that. Do that frequently. Uh, so he's like a Doctor Strange villain and a Fantastic Four villain mostly, but he's also messed up like us guardians and stuff it's it's he's cool he raises the dead he has robots and lightning powers it's just a little disappointing because he was always a uh, normal human who made himself much better by being enterprising and Amoral, you know? Okay. So he seems, he does sound like a much more interesting villain in the comic books for sure than he did in the movie. Yeah, I don't think he has any powers in the comics. He just has a bunch of knowledge and really cool things. Okay, because I was kind of curious about that. So, okay, because uh, yeah, okay. Anyway, we can we can we can move on from, from that. Because no, I, I was kind of curious, but okay, that sort of explains it a little bit. So, in the process of bakering at the feet of the statue, Ben Grimm soon to be the thing, but right now just the charming bald guy, um, <laughs> calls Von Doom's science fast food strip mall science? <laughs> what is fast food strip mall science? <laughs> I guess it's probably something like science that caters to the lowest common denominator or or 
maybe it could be something that everyone can consume, or... That's just... Some good. That's good. Yeah, no, that's... No, that's... That definitely is. But I... I, I don't... I don't know. I mean, like I said, the... For me, the majority of the dialogue in this movie was entirely forgettable, and I don't remember most of what everyone said, except for a couple of funny lines that the thing had, and that's basically all I remember. I just, I wrote down the ones that pissed me off. <laughs> that was how okay. that doesn't make any sense. No, that's 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 a good that's a good plan. So he goes up, or they go up, because they're gonna talk to a much more successful friend who's Fondue, who I guess went to school with them. Or yeah, I think that's what they he's said. He's also a cousin. He's also dating the the ex's ex. And, yeah, I don't know if he has any relationship with Johnny whatsoever, but he's also in Sin Bread Social Circle. Um, <laughs> and the main character, Dr. Reed, is pitching a space voyage six weeks in advance. <laughs> He's like, I was hoping you could just drive us to space. Like, that's not how any of this works. Well, I mean, so you have to consider the fact that Victor Von Doom has a private fully functional space station available for what appears to be anyone to be able to go up there and do whatever the hell they want. So, six weeks probably... Okay, to be fair, Reed Richards was not the best as far as planning and uh, court and like uh, details and that sort of thing is concerned as we'll see later <laughs> but it definitely seems like considering that they already have a space station available to go to six weeks is probably enough time. Yeah, well, I mean, it's not the worst thing about this premise, but, um... Yeah. It's one of, like, a couple things that happened in a rapid succession that I could not get over. <laughs> uh, yeah. Because there's that. He's talking about there's this cosmic storm that's propelled by solar wind that's coming through um, 
it's completely deadly if you touch it without shields, which is why I need the space station, because it'll wipe out all life it touches. And he thinks it's responsible for helping early life on Earth to evolve. Because it wipes out all life that it touches. And that's probably how early life evolved, is by dying. Well, I mean... One of these two is untenable. I don't know which one. <laughs> also, I'd like to point out that I, I actually wanted to watch this movie twice. The first time just to kind of experience it, and the second time to count how many Wilhelm screams were in the movie. I only heard the one that was really obvious. Were there more? There was, there was one in this scene as like there was a cloud as, as the hologram was showing off there was, I guess it was the the cloud whatever the the see I've already forgotten what the words are the uh cosmic storm yeah the cosmic storm was passing through the hologram there was a Wilhelm scream that's awesome yeah I know, and I kind of want to go back and watch it again and count. Okay, there's six, there's seven, there. Because I, I counted two. There are probably more that I missed. I don't, but I didn't catch another Wilhelm scream. I did notice when they're going to the space station and their ship does a quick fly by the camera. For some reason, towards the end, there's this weird, like... I, I don't know what the sound effect is called, but it's like when you bend a spring, they use it a lot when, like, an arrow is sticking out of something, it just sort of bang, that thing. Oh, yeah. For some reason, that's in the tail end of, like, the rocket flyby for no reason. <laughs> I did not notice that. I mean, huh. I didn't, like, I'm sure I didn't notice it the last time I saw it. Just this time, I noticed, and I didn't notice the Wilhelm scream, but I wonder if the sound guys were having more fun than anyone else on this movie. I know what yeah, I, was I, get too. The, I get the feeling they were. Just based on all the the weird sound effects that get included in this movie just all throughout. It's just like what? Why is that there? But uh, I guess it's just cause just because why not? And I had not noticed, but I'm into it now. <laughs> okay, so they 
Well, I pitched the six weekend bands. I did write down the line, that's Reed always stretching. Uh, <laughs> same old Reed, but fuck you. Um, <laughs> and, Girlfriend comes in. Victor's current girlfriend, Sue Storm, gonna be an invisible woman. He says she's the director of genetic research, which is fine. And then for the entire rest of the movie, Reed is the only scientist. Like, did you notice that? Like, she's the director of genetic research for Von Doom, whatever the hell, and then the entire time Reed is trying to repair this genetic damage to them, she is complaining and or trying to get him to date her. Like, you know, I never... I never thought about that, but damn, that's true. Like, we don't know what kind of a scientist Reed is. Seems like a physicist, but he's the only one who does anything, and she's a much better, according to this one line of throwaway dialogue they probably forgot about. <laughs> she's a much more accomplished physicist <laughs> than. Yes. Yeah, and I mean, as I mean, from what I understand, at least, I mean, both, uh, both Ben Grimm and Johnny Storm are, you know, they're astronauts, so there's definitely a lot of. There's definitely a lot of scientific scientific background for both of them. Yet again, they do nothing, as far as I can recall, sciency past this. Yeah, everyone's an idiot except for. I mean, not me. Okay, not. Not all non-scientists are idiots. I mean, trade secret, they are, but whatever. <laughs> but you've got, like, no one in here with an IQ under, like, 150 or something, supposedly, because astronaut school's not easy to get into. But only the one guy who got, I mean... And Ben Grimm at some point even says, uh, when they're doing a scan on him, they're like, we have to figure out what recombinant DNA of whatever made up word. And Ben Grimm's like, what? Oh, <laughs> uh, we have to scan you to figure out what's messed up. Why didn't you just say so? like, you're Fucking astronaut. <laughs> yeah, they really should have known something like that for sure. So, bugs uh, me. Doesn't 
bugged me a lot. Yeah. Okay, so she's director genetic research. They mentioned that Reed Richards is broke, but he owns the goddamn Baxter building. <laughs> which is like a 60 story uh, uh, 50, 40 I don't know but the point is it's a skyscraper in New York City on Manhattan he has a billion dollars in real estate. <laughs> and they talk about how broke he is for most of the movie. Like, what world is this? Well, this is, to be fair, this is 2005. There, I mean, when everyone owned a high-rise in New York. Yes, exactly. Well, okay, I mean, here's part of the disconnect that I had really hard time with in this movie. Just because of the fact that it was made in 2005. Because, like, they're showing off these this holographic technology and, and Von Doom has his giant space station that apparently doesn't have to be manned by anyone which was weird except yeah I know but there I mean like there's that but then in like a in a very in a very in the scene just shortly after this, uh, Johnny Storm walks up and he's using a digital camera and he's talking about a digital camera and memory card and it's like, okay, I know this movie was made 12 years ago, but it's really hard to believe that such futuristic technology like holograms and private space stations can live in the same world as a digital camera. Yeah. So. Well, it does that thing a lot where it simultaneously tries to come off as futuristic and dates itself at the exact same time. Yeah, exactly. So. Like with music choices. Or yes, that's it. exactly. Or <laughs> Yeah, or all of the extreme sports that take place throughout the film. It, it, it screams like early to mid-2000s film, but anyway. Which could be fun. It's not, but it could be. Um, (laughs) Okay, so there's these bickering billionaires, one of whom is very (laughs) broke because he only owns like 
fucking a cubic only owns miles of real estate. He, he only owns one high rise. Not like seven, like most other New Yorkers. And they never dress at all. It's just, he just has it. It's just a thing he owns already. Mm-hmm. Which, fine, fine. So, <laughs> they do the, the footloose scene to introduce Johnny, where he's in a motorcycle, and he's like, making out with some woman who maybe he knows. Um... <laughs> While they're both driving down the freeway. Have you seen Footloose? No, I haven't actually. Oh, okay. Well, it's the opening scene of that movie, but oh, with Johnny okay. Storm. I, I did like the fact that they basically told us everything we needed to know about the character in the first second <laughs> of, of it's like, because Sue mentions her brother, and then there's this crazy guitar riff, and then it switches to the scene of him driving down the motorcycle, making out of this woman, and it's like, okay, we, we, we don't need to know anything more about him. At all. Well, then Ben Grimm explains like he got kicked out of NASA because he <laughs> snuck two Victoria's Secret models into a flight simulator and crashed it. Yeah. Which, which you can't do, it doesn't actually move. No, no, exactly. <laughs> But otherwise, rad. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Fun. It's like it's like taking a stationary bike for a ride. It's like that that just doesn't work. It can't be such a crazy pile that you build an engine <laughs> that doesn't work. <laughs> I mean, it's not the worst. Uh, Premise to swallow in this movie, so fair enough. Um, yeah, but it's it's still it's still kind of difficult to kind of like okay suspension of disbelief fading slightly, but it's all right. I'll get back on track soon. I think I was already gone. I don't think I could come back. At this point, after the uh, explanation <laughs> of the mission. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, Stu- Sue Storm comes in. They've got, got their expandex blue stuff. Um, she explains how it's better than other spandex. Uh, I, I, don't, I don't care. And then... Yeah. Dr. Richards is really impressed 
buy the suit and she gets all disappointed because he thought he was just like gawking at her. Oh, and yeah. It turns well, out mean, he's doing an adult thing <laughs> instead. Which... Well, I mean, to be fair, her, 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 her spandex suit was perfectly tailored to show off her cleavage. So, I mean, you know, maybe she was expecting him to be gawking at her. Well, no, I mean, she definitely was, because, like, she has this whole... There's this disappointed face take, and the other two are like, oh, yeah. But, like, yeah. taking a step back, this woman is visually disappointed that the scientist is more interested in its miracle science than sexual harassment in the workplace. Like, that's... <laughs> that's what's wrong here, is that not people are making inappropriate mood gestures. <laughs> And then everyone hates Ben for some reason. I don't get it, but... Yeah, I, I, I'm not entirely sure why either. Like, Von Doom hates Ben. Uh, Reed's the only one who doesn't. I don't know. Well, I think Sue had a... Seemed to have a pretty strong relationship with Ben. That's what it seemed like, at least, because they always seem pretty cordial with each other. I mean, they don't really introduce each other, then she's just also kind of making fun of him once he's up on the space station. Yeah. Now I'll get it. Again, he's an astronaut. I don't understand where this yeah. uh, hierarchy comes in. <clears throat> I don't understand how to have gravity. I don't understand most things that happen in this scene. <laughs> Although, oh, actually, that, that I did, I did write this down. But then again, I may have just completely spaced out on uh, funny that I mentioned space but there was uh, the the fact the fact that they're they're talking about how Johnny was the was supposed to be piloting and how he was an astronaut all this shit and then they don't even show any of the of the of the the shuttle flight at all from what I recall. Yeah, I mean he just fucking drives them to space. Like it's Yeah. It's given all of the time and gravitas that like an Indiana Jones movie gives to him going to a different country by passenger airline. 
<laughs> yeah, but it's like they they spend fully like what they spend several minutes setting up the character. They set up the whole thing about uh, Ben being bitter about him not being him not being able to pilot them up to the space station and then they don't even bother showing the piloting of the space station they just skip straight from well we're on the ground to well we're in the space station well, you have that oh, three-second scene with the weird arrow sticking out of a hay bale sound effect. <laughs> okay. Flies right. Okay. That that must have been plenty, I guess. So you can for... see that the space station is shaped like a giant V for Von Doom, which is awesome. Of course. Uh, <laughs> Because he can't have the initials of his company be VD, which is no more accurate. That'd be a bit more awkward. I can't do it. No. Okay, so they're going to set up science stuff. Dr. Doom's gonna propose the Invisible Woman. Meanwhile, Johnny is going to explain the backstory between both Johnny and Ben and Reed and Storm to Ben. <laughs> because... Because fuck it. Because... Because we don't, because we don't know it, supposedly, uh, we the, the non-comic book reading audience, I don't know. Well, also, we can't be trusted to pick it up through context clues, because this is a movie for babies. Right, of course. And... <laughs> Keep forgetting. Mm -hmm. I think that might be the entire problem. Actually, it's just that I, I'm used to at this point. Uh, comic movies have more of a crossover appeal to wider audiences, and this one's definitely for like eight to ten year old boys. I think. Might be a problem. Possibly. Um, yeah. There, there was also a Doctor Phil reference in this movie. Right at this in this scene, but I was like, okay, you're dating the movie again. Okay, I, I like I get that. Sometimes it's fun to make uh, topical pop culture references, but you're basically framing the movie in that exact time frame, right. which 
really, again, it kind of, it takes me out of the moment because I'm just kind of, I'm trying to, I'm trying to enjoy the movie as best I can. And I'm just like, hey, Dr. Phil. And it's like, what? Who? All right, that guy. Wasn't he on, isn't he still on though? I don't know, actually. I mean, I never cared, but I also didn't know for a year and a half when Oprah was off the air. So it's not, you know. Yeah. But still, I know. But it was just, it was, it was jarring hearing a reference from that (laughs) long ago. Just kind of like, wait, what? Oh, right. This this movie is 12 years old. He also mentions, again, that Reed Richards has less money than a postage stamp. Oh, he's the (laughs) goddamn Baxter building. (laughs) (laughs) Don't understand. Well, I mean, he must... He must not, like, rent it out or something. He must just have whatever that one floor of research, uh, research laboratory, and then 40 or 39 floors of nothing, I guess? I don't, I don't know how, how it's set up. Well, he also makes enough money to power the damn thing and have water through it, which is already more than most people's mortgages for a year. Like, it's not... That's... <clears throat> makes no sense. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so... We're supposed to have nine hours before the thing hits the thing. Turns out they actually have like six minutes. Yeah. Which turns out to actually be 15 seconds. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Because they freak out. They say we've got six minutes left. They go out to look, and it's already 40 feet away. Um, And then starts hitting the station by the time they make the intercom to tell Ben Grimm to get back inside. And it's just a huge clusterfuck. Like, nothing makes any sense here. I've noticed that this movie has a real problem with time because it really feels like they're kind of skipping forward for no discernible reason. Like, they're, they're, they're missing chunks of time. It's weird. Like that, it's like, oh, there's seven minutes left. Oh, wait, it's right here already. How did that happen? Yeah, like, how big is the space station? They had to run down and tell them 
But then we see the entire space station compared with an astronaut. It's like 40 feet across. Like, there's no... Yeah, it's... I, I, I don't know, it's... And they've got gravity. It doesn't even have to float there. You can just run. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Anyway. So, uh, six minutes goes by in 15, 30 seconds. In, in the blink of an eye. They all get zapped with their weird, like, Power Rangers montage powers. <laughs> the cosmic rays and whatnot. Because it shows that happen, like, in a second. Right, because like, yeah, Johnny Storm gets hit and catches on fire. Sue Storm gets hit and turns invisible. Uh, Reed Richards gets hit and gets smeared across half the screen with bad CGI. <laughs> which, okay, that's another question I have, which. You can, you, you may or may not be able to answer, and you don't have to answer it if you don't want to, because it might take a while to explain, but was there, like, ever any explanation in the comics as to why each of the characters received the powers that they did, or was it just kind of random? Uh, if there was, I don't know it. I mean, from, like, a storytelling perspective, they're definitely going for earth, air, water, fire thing. Yeah. I think. Uh, oh, I see that now, yeah. But... I don't know. Okay. I was just curious, because it seemed like, it just seems like a, I, like, I, I, I know the characters a little bit, but I haven't read the comics, but it's like, I know what powers they have, but it just seemed kind of random, but I guess now they mentioned the, the four elements, it makes a little more sense, I was just curious if there was a reason why each character got the powers they did. I don't think there is. Uh, if there is, okay. I don't know it. But... Okay. And then, like, they're just back on Earth all of a sudden, right? Like, yeah. they get knocked out an ambulance comes by and fucking carts them back down to the Alps. Like, I don't know who, how that could even happen. Yeah, it's... I mean, for what we... I mean, it didn't look like anyone else was even on the space station, so it was like... I guess it was just the five. I guess maybe, maybe Doom was the only one who was 
I mean, he was the one who, at least at first, seemed the least affected by the whole thing, so maybe he was able to do something, maybe? I, I don't know. Yeah, I don't... Yeah. Yeah. They're just there. It makes no sense. And the hospital's in, like, a ski resort or something, or it looks like one. Yeah, because uh, it's super pretty. It's definitely in the mountains several thousand miles from New York, which will be relevant in a second. Um, <laughs> I did like the plastic surgery gag. That was pretty good. Oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> Where he, he wakes up and he... You're seeing it from Bingham's perspective, and Josh is very concerned, and we're so sorry they couldn't do anything. They had the best plastic surgeons in the world look at it, but they couldn't <laughs> fix your face. Um, yeah. Then he looks in the mirror, and it's just him, and Johnny's having a lot of that's <laughs> just being a that's actually really fun. I like that. Yeah, um, that was actually pretty great. Uh, which is why I sort of I start to like Johnny more than any other characters because I think it's mostly just that he seems alive. Um, yeah, like he's got some energy and doesn't just. Seem mopey and teenager all the time, which is weird because he's supposed to be on this character. <laughs> That's true, actually. But yeah, that that makes sense. Yeah, he yeah he. I mean, for me, he just seemed kind of annoying throughout the movie, but. The more you mention it, he does—he does seem like more of an actual character. But uh, he's super annoying. Like it's ridiculous the stuff he does. But <laughs> yeah. it's also funny, which makes me have a, an emotional reaction <laughs> if you're looking watching yeah. a movie. You know? Yeah, exactly. Like in the next scene, well, there's one scene where there's an evil investors board meeting, uh, which is so cool. Like I don't know what I have to do, like what classes I gotta take, where I gotta get hired to one day sit on an evil investor panel. Because that's in every movie, I never know what those guys do or how they got there, but I want that. They probably got some sort of degree in business administration or marketing or something like that. Is it too late? So... No, I just want to be on an evil panel somewhere. 
It's it's not too late, but it's probably gonna take you another two to four years if you wanna go back to college again. So yeah. I just wanna sit in judgment over someone and say that they've disappointed me and they have X number of days to do something. That's all I want. <laughs> That's all I want out of life. Right, because that that was the whole that was the whole deal was that the the board member was saying that uh, Von Doom has what seven days to try and turn around this whole catastrophic catastrophic mess. Yeah, the space stations. Which we also don't hear about. Like, did the space station blow up? What happened? Why is it a catastrophe? Yeah. We just, it's just, it's a catastrophe. It's like, why? Because people heard about it. But we don't hear anything else about it. They heard so. there was an accident in outer space. All our assets are intact, and all five astronauts survived. That's horrible. Like that's not. <laughs> I <don't> get it. <laughs> yeah. So then, okay. Um. So then Johnny storms at 105 degrees, and the nurse says he's a little hot, or he feels a little hot. Uh, the, 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 might I point out, I wrote this down, sexy nurse, totally believable. Eh. Well, <laughs> I mean, that was fine. What I couldn't believe was that, A, she thinks 105 degrees is a little hot. He's dead, by yeah. the way. No, he, yeah. By the time yeah. he leaves, it says 195, and he's in quarantine, and she lets him kiss her before leaving. Which means now she is dead also. <laughs> because that's what happens when someone with disease that causes your temperature to spike to 105 degrees kisses you on the mouth. <laughs> and if you're a nurse, you know that. Well. Oh well. And it's just, and she smiles when quarantine guy with lethal fever kisses her on the mouth and then walks out of quarantine. Like, he's not that good looking. <laughs> I mean, he is, I, but that's only goes so far. I was gonna say that it it did feel a little bit like this is this is no knock on Chris Evans. Like he's he's a handsome guy, but he also looks like kind of like a dork. Let's be honest. Well, he's got a very 2005 haircut. I think that might be all it is. That's 
that's probably a good chunk of it, but still, it's like he, they, they made, they made this point of talking about, oh, he has the, he has like these male bald good looks, and it's like, he looks a little bit like a, he looks kind of like a stereotypical dork, but again, that's not a knock on him, because I mean, I fairly certain that I look much more like a dork and well, he is, I most certainly am not handsome like he is. He's way so. more fit than dorks usually are, I think. Yeah, I think so. Like, he's got like, like some Ryan Reynolds, Ryan Gosling. He's got Ryan level abs. <laughs> like it's not <laughs> yeah he's he's statued himself up I don't know why he can get away with anything he wants to though and I also don't know how he's able to build a helicopter out of being sexy because the very <laughs> next scene he's in a helicopter on top of a mountain. <laughs> he's definitely, I mean, I think it helps though that Von Doom looks creepy in this whole movie. Uh, and Jessica Alba, who would be the most attractive person looks really freaky with her white makeup. Yeah, that was kind of strange. Because, like, they... I don't know if they did anything with her skin, but they gave her really obvious blonde contacts, which freak me out every time I see her eyes. Um... <laughs> And they clearly dyed her or bleach and dyed her hair. And I think they do some weird stuff with makeup, too, because her skin tone changes dramatically scene to scene. Like, in a really weird way. My own knows that. Like, she goes really I mean, pale and really chalky, and then she's really tan, and then it's, like, been three minutes, but they've cleared down some takes in the meanwhile. I actually did not notice that, but it's, it's, it's one of those things that I, I would consider going and going and watch the movie again, but I kind of don't want to just because I don't really, I didn't really enjoy the movie, so... Yeah, well, I don't know. There's better things to do with two hours of your life, but, uh... Yeah. But I'm just saying, like, she's... She's Jessica but She should be the most attractive thing on camera. Yeah. But whatever they're doing with her makes her look really uncanny and weird to me. Maybe, maybe the explanation is because she can't entirely control her powers yet. So the way that, <laughs> what, was, what 
when they say the, like the the she bends the fact the that she's or bending the light around her so she has a different uh, skin tones throughout the movie, maybe I guess. I'm I'm just saying, like one of the characters has his skin cracking open. There's metal underneath, and he's the second <laughs> freakiest looking person to me <laughs> in this movie. <laughs> So okay, do you think that the that the whole skiing sequence was like legit, like it wasn't CG? Well, if they actually had some guy go down the mountain on a snowboard on fire, yeah, maybe. I was kind of curious because I was thinking. That's either the most terrifying or the most awesome way for a stuntman to, like, get his dues. It's like, okay, you're falling down the mountain, you're snowboarding, and you're on fire. It's like, that seems terrifying, but also fantastic at the same time. I mean... The special effects looked better in that scene than in most. So I think there's a yeah. possibility they're real. I think the I think the fire effect was definitely practical. I'm still not I don't know for sure if the if this, if the actual snowboarding itself was real or if it was CG, it looked. Again, this is 2005, so well, CG. I think, I think that would be the easy part because extreme sports is like you just hire a guy who does that already. I think. True. Yeah. And it's like, is it okay if we film you doing that stuff you do on your own until you get paralyzed? <laughs> and he'd be like, yeah, what else do I got to do? Be on fire. It's not real. It'll be fine. Maybe. I don't know. It just, because, like I was going to say, 2005 CGI is not to the point where something like that would look real, look convincing. So probably, I guess it might have just been sort of practical effects, but it was pretty impressive to me. Yeah, the only part I wonder about was I wonder if they CGI'd in the flame. But I bet the snowboarding is real. Yeah, I don't know. Because, I mean, I've seen guys just do that. I'm like, they have their own shows. Yeah, yeah. Montages and YouTube wipeout collections. Yeah, exactly. I don't know, because, I mean, at least it looked kind of... They looked like real flames to me, but then again... I, I don't know. Like, I might not 
necessarily be the best judge of that because I don't have like a I, I didn't study that kind of stuff but it looked real to me so I don't know I think it's real like I think that'd be a weird thing to choose to CGI you know yeah when you've got like I think probably the uh the whole dirt bike thing later on was real too because they have that budget there's guys around who want to do that and they're sponsored by Xbox and Red Bull and shit. <laughs> yeah so well anyway so then Ben Grimm is spending all his time trying to get his friend and his ex back together against both their will, which is weird. <laughs> I, I, I don't know if it was necessarily against their will. I mean, I mean, they didn't necessarily seem like they wanted to, but it also didn't seem like they didn't not want to. If that makes sense. Not true, but but they're both just like, uh, you know, we're adults, we're doing other things. It's like, okay, but, but it was true love, you guys. <laughs> like, <laughs> no one does that. Uh, yeah, true. Not, I mean, in the movies they do, but not in real life. Yeah. Then he gets diarrhea, <laughs> which is a surefire sign of rock monsteritis. <laughs> then he creates matter out of thin air because it specifically shows that his weight is going up, which is a much more impressive power than being made out of rocks. <laughs> like it's just creating matter. Well, Johnny Storm comes in, and finally someone's having fun with it. He's like half naked, and he's freaking out. <laughs> and he's the first guy on Earth to have superpowers. Because this, is, this isn't in the Avengers universe. This is its own standalone thing, right? I, I, I guess so. I mean, this was this was before like all of the. This was like before the whole Marvel Cinematic Universe thing existed. I think, right? Because wasn't it like was was Iron Man was the first one in the official? Yeah, Marvel Cinematic Universe. And the X-Men was like its own thing just because it was owned. A different company had the rights to make the movies or something weird like that. Well, I'm just saying, in this world of this one movie, it seems like no one else has superpowers before. Yeah. And... No one is reacting to it except for Johnny. <laughs> yeah. 
he's the only one that seems to care, like, hey, now my body is breaking all of the rules of reality. Are we gonna talk about this? And everyone else is like, no, we have to. No. <laughs> I don't know. This is horrible under the door special effects. Yeah, that thing. That was that really all of all of the the Mr. Fantastic effects were just they were just so so early to mid two thousand five two two thousand. CGI. It was just they were at that point where just the uncanny valley was just impossible to to reach. It just looked so fake all the time. Well, I think the couple he does with his face look pretty good. Oh yeah, that's true. There was that like one bigger keyboard gag. And when he starts melting, when the experiment goes wrong, those were all that was good. that was decent. But like the the other parts where it's like he's stretching his limbs, just it looked weird. Yeah, all the time. I guess it's, I guess it's more okay if it looks rubbery than some other movies because he's made out of rubber. Yeah. But it, 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 it's more obvious than it is in the comics that this would not work. Like, he couldn't flatten his shit under a door, stretch around the other side, and still be able to manipulate his fingers because that's not how tendons work. Right. Like, the... The weird in-between thing they're doing where he's not like a weird liquid metal ooze guy, but he's also not a human guy who stretches makes less sense when you actually see it represented quasi-realistically. Like, that doesn't work, and you can tell it doesn't work, you know? Yeah, like it needs to, it needs to either be just relatively silly looking, like like a like sort of cartoonish or just I, I don't know. That I think that would at least make more sense. But then again, this movie it's I don't know. It sort of toes the line between cartoonish and, and serious and it just I don't know I don't know yeah it's, it's supposed to just at this point this is eight seconds since we found out that Ben Grimm just makes matter out of nothing <laughs> uh, and I don't get the rules of these powers that I'm not going to for the rest of the movie you know like it doesn't Right, yeah. 
it's it's not a slight alteration on reality that this would be its effect. It's just a made-up thing, uh, which is too bad. Yeah. So then Bingram runs from the Alps in Switzerland, I guess. <laughs> To New York City in one day or possibly several years because I can't tell how much time is passing in this movie. <laughs> well, I mean, it was another time skip, right? It, it might have been. It might have been a few hours. It might have been a week. I mean, it definitely seemed to imply it's pretty fast, though, because they want to get their head of him, so they fly into town. They're going to meet his wife, like, that day or something. And I don't know... I don't know the East Coast that well. I'm not from there, but I, I mean... I, I mean, I'm sorry, we're, we're from by Florida, so we are from there. I don't think there are that many alpine mountains that close to New York. If there are, and I'm strong. There's one of the steepest mountain ranges in the world there. Fair enough. But I don't think you can get from, from like alpine altitudes to sea level anywhere on Earth that quickly in like six hours of walking. Probably not. There's a gradation. You gotta get down there first. <laughs> it's not just like a mesa. I don't fucking know. Okay. Yeah, I, I, I don't. I don't. I don't know either. I like that they did do a suit instead of a CGI thing for the thing. I wasn't entirely sure, because it, I mean, it, it definitely didn't look CGI to me, but at the same time, I wasn't sure if it was like a, a puppetry thing or just practical effects or what, because... I think it, it was a 30-pound latex suit. Hmm. It's uh, how they did And I thought it looked really good while he was holding still. Yes. When he moves and it obviously bends and warps in the stone parts, it becomes really painfully obvious very quickly that it's made out of rubber. Mm -hmm. 
uh, or latex or whatever flexible thing. But it's a really good visual for still shots and when he's mostly just looking around without moving his mouth. But then as soon as he moves his head at all, it falls apart. Yeah, the 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 mouth movement for me is that's always something that I tend to harp on with with any kind of CGI from like the the early to mid to maybe even late two thousands where just it doesn't matter how much money companies would pump into making the facial effects look really nice in a movie or a video game or whatever. It just always looked wrong to me. And it's... Well, I think think Ninja Turtles got it pretty good. Which one? Uh, The first two. Third one did not. You, you mean from like the early nineties? Yeah. I'd have to watch were, it again. Uh, I don't. Those were uh, Henson Workshop. Uh, is it Henson Workshop? Uh, I, Jim Henson Workshop made those costumes, I think, and it was pretty good. Because they had these big animatronic heads, and they would actually like do looks movie and stuff. But it was also soft material. Like it was okay that the turtle's lips could move. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, like I'm talking like CGI, like specifically CGI from like the oh, from right, like from the from. From 2000 to, like, 2010, like, no matter what someone did with, like, a CGI mouth, it always looked wrong. And things have gotten a lot better in the last five or so years. I think, uh, what was it, L.A. Noir was, like, the first thing to actually get facial movements right. But that's just... What they, they, they mapped, started mo-capping people's faces instead of yeah. trying to do it on their own. Exactly. Yeah, but, I mean, that's that's why things got so much better. But still... Like, for a good 10 or 12 years, just faces looked wrong if they were in CGI, no matter what anyone tried to do. Yeah. So. I mean, still do mostly, I think, but. Yeah, they, they get, they're, they're getting a little better. If they actually bother to mocap an entire face, but if they're just gonna sort of mocap like parts of the face instead of like the entire face, it's still gonna look weird. But then again, this was 
practical effects, this was a latex suit, but it still looked weird when he talked. Yeah, well, I mean, to me, it mostly looked weird when he talked because then it became clear that it was latex. Yeah. Or flesh or something other than rocks, which it's supposed to be. Yeah. Because rocks don't bend. <laughs> yeah. But I give Michael Chiklis. It's Michael Chiklis, right? Yeah. More credit for being able to convey emotions pretty well through it. Because that's a major hindrance. Like, he's wearing 30 pounds of latex and. He still delivers a more nuanced emotional performance than either Gifford, Ion Gufford. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I forgot Gr- Gruff- Gruffin? Gruffin. Yeah. Or just Calvin in this one. Yeah. I think that I I don't want to necessarily badmouth any of the actors, but I think that does attest to the quality of of Michael Chiklis as an actor. Because I mean, like I've never seen The Shield, but I've heard a lot of great things about it, and I know that he's been in a lot of other stuff, and he's always great. So. Well, I've seen every actor in this and other things that were doing much better. I'm just saying it, it seems like Chiklis was putting his all into it, and Evans was either putting his all into it or was just having a lot of fun with it. And then everyone else seemed like they were in a much grimmer, like, teen drama. Yeah. And that these two were having fun with it. So I don't know, I just like these two. Yeah. That's also I'm I agree. He, he calls his wife. She comes outside in the middle of the night in New York in her underwear. <laughs> uh, sees that he's a rock monster, doesn't ask a single question, just screams and runs into traffic. And that's that whole scene. Yeah, that was... That was kind of frustrating. (laughs) Yeah, I don't... I don't remember the actress name, but she's... What's her name from, uh... Walking Dead. Yeah, I still haven't seen that. Okay. Uh, <laughs> listeners will know who you're talking about. I recommend the first three episodes. And okay. <laughs> so then he goes to the bridge. Not to kill himself, I think, just to hang out. Or was he going to drown himself? I couldn't tell. 
it seemed like he was just there to sort of ruminate on what was going on. He didn't it's seem a like a place to go ruminate, though, right? Like, yeah. Like, he just turned into this thing yesterday. I'd never go hang out on bridges. I don't know. <laughs> Why that's his go-to spot. Yeah, I, 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 I have no inclination as to why that might be the case. So, I... So then, I've been talking a lot. Describe what happens next, because this was batshit Okay, so... He's sitting there on the side of the Brooklyn Bridge and some other guy walks up. He tosses his briefcase out into the out into the river below and he's just kind of staring there, kind of staring down at the water and and Ben Grimm turns to him and says, uh, he says something like, you know, what are you doing? What are you, why, why are you, why are you jumping? Why are you thinking about jumping? The guy turns and he sees the thing and he's like, ah. he basically looks like he shat his pants. And then, instead of listening to the, the, admittedly, yes, Rock Monster is talking to you, and that would be a <laughs> weird thing to see, but, and, and okay, fine, in this universe, people with superpowers and Rock rock. Rock monsters can't actually don't they don't exist, which is fine, but like he, he instead of instead of kind of climbing down off the bridge, he backs onto one of us into onto like a support beam or something. And then all that Ben Grimm is doing is he's trying to say, just like, no, stop walking out on top of the bridge and just kind of don't be an idiot. But of course the guy keeps walking. Yeah, but then it's just like, cause the thing keeps compulsively pursuing him. <laughs> yeah, which is like, like not working. It's like, no, stop it. But then it's like, you're not helping anything by continuing to move closer to the guy who is frightened of you. So, yeah. Creates this whole situation because 
then the guy falls into traffic, so the thing has to block traffic so it doesn't die, and then creates like a 74 car pileup <laughs> because he just shoulders into a big rig or something. Yeah. That I yeah I did write that down. It's like the logic I wrote down exactly. The logic of saving one guy by potentially endangering the lives of hundreds more. There there is no logic to that. But although the special effect of the uh, a the beam creaking when he's walking across it, and then him shouldering into the big rig were pretty good. Yeah, like I I got the the weight of the character. Yeah, and like the general toughness of him, like that was all pretty good. Then everyone in sequence uses their powers to save a couple people. Yeah, because there's like a, a after the pileup, there's a, a fire truck that comes through. But it just it, fucking kamikazes it, off the bridge. Yeah, I don't even know how it happened. But it's just kind of like, uh, we're just going to turn off the bridge now. I, yeah. Makes no sense. No. Like, no New York can drive. Yeah. But, yeah, but there, no, was, I guess there was a, there must have been a fire or something going on. Because that's, that would be the only reason why it would be there, right? There was a fire, I think, because that was how they showed off Sue being able to to use her force field powers. Well, one of the trucks is like a canister of liquid oxygen truck. Oh. Okay. They're all just sitting out there on the back, and you see them scatter everywhere and blow up. Because Johnny has to get in the way so the fire doesn't hit some girl because he's fireproof. Sue has to trap all the fire in a bubble, which she learns she could do that second and has it mastered. Yeah. Because that seems like it'd be more complicated than it apparently is. Mr. Fantastic has to stretch Armstrong off the bridge to grab a fireman who fell after the other fireman drove the truck off the bridge. (laughs) And then the thing has to hold on to the truck while they're trying to drive it off the bridge and not let the not let them kill themselves. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and then, after all this happens, 
the wife shows up again just to reiterate that she's an asshole. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Leaves the ring on the ground and walks away again. And that's the whole scene like that. What we just described is what happens. <laughs> Because they're all there. They're all right there when this happens. Well, okay, okay. There, there was, there was a point. I, no, wait. No, was this? This might have been this scene, but I might have been later. Because I didn't actually like timestamp my notes. But wasn't there a point where while while. Reed and Sue and Johnny were just kind of standing in the crowd and Sue starts to turn invisible like dirt like oh in yeah that. and then it's like this underwear shot yeah and then it's like okay you have to take off all your clothes so people don't think something's really weird and then she starts to become visible when she just has brawn panties on, it's like, okay, we get it. You're, 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 she's, she's the, she's the object character of this movie. We get it. Nine to 12 year old boys. I'm telling you. Yeah. I get it. movies for. I get it. It makes sense. Yeah. And why was she even doing that? Like, she had to squeeze through the police barricade, then they all somehow do because she did successfully? I, I, I didn't even follow the... I, I'm not even sure. There, the, the thing about scenes like... Even, even though a lot of the action in this scene kind of slowed down a bit it's still really hard for me personally to keep track of it just because like there's so much stuff there's so many scene shifting it's like I can't keep track of it personally but that's just that's just me that's just me so I don't know what happened exactly so, okay, so everyone knows about them. Uh, one thing I thought this movie did that was kind of fun was it showed how fucking crowded New York is. Yes. Because every time they're not in their apartment, there's a crowd of extras either walking around them or hanging out behind them or something. Which is kind of fun. Like, they're always five to six feet back, but there's always a hundred people there. <laughs> uh, yeah. Like, when, when they, when they, when they first had their powers, when their first kind of, they had to do it in, in public. And then they're like, 
50 reporters that just show up out of nowhere and are all trying to interview them. It's like, oh my god. Yeah. It's just utter chaos. Well, there's like, there's the whole, the police have cordoned off this area, and then they get asked a bunch of questions, and Johnny Swarm, of course, wants to answer them all for some reason. Yeah. There's a press conference, and then they all go home. Yeah. And that's... That's the introduction of all these characters as superheroes. Mm-hmm. And again, the weight effects of the thing are really impressive. They do the... He has to ride a, a giant police wagon. Oh, yeah. Which creaks under his weight pretty well. They have some rig so that when he steps off and bounces back up like six inches. It looks pretty good. Yeah. And then he can't ride the elevator because it's too heavy. He can take the stairs. I guess they're super sturdy. (laughs) Oh, isn't this is where we get the Stan Lee cameo, right? It was right here. Yeah, he's the mailman. Yeah. What was his name? Wally Lumpkin or something. I looked it up on the page. I think that was... Willie, I think. Willie or Wally. That's why I wrote down the name Willie. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, To go back to his really impressive room, or his really impressive building, it turns out, like, it's got this giant brass-plated foyer with, like, polished marble floors and shit. Like, it's a nicer building than most buildings this brook I owns. (laughs) Um. Doom's there for no reason. He has a bunch of questions. Well, he he saw the, he saw their interview on the bridge. Cause I remember there there were when they were doing the interview, it cut to back to a scene of him watching somehow just had had by sheer luck watching the news and watching them having their interview and talking about their powers and all that kind of stuff. And then he makes all these, like, weird supervillain evil demands, like, you should see a doctor and please be careful... And it kind of hurt my feelings when my possibly fiance didn't call me for three days when it turns out she might have been dying. 
and he's just, he's evil. <laughs> so they're like, fuck off, dude. And he's like, you're right, that's a good point, I'm sorry. <laughs> he's just like, you maybe want to be quarantined or see a doctor, and they're like, no, doom God. <laughs> So we just... No, we'll feed it ourselves. God, so Dad. He shows up to make a series of good points and be treated poorly. <laughs> um, mentions offhand that read like destroyed his career and company and then Ben Grimm's like hey is there a problem and then he's like no I'm sorry (laughs) because he's so evil (laughs) it's just He's just, he's just a swell guy at this point. Like, it makes no sense. It's, it's weird how up until near the end of the movie and possibly even until after, until the end and after the movie, Doom is the character I feel the most sympathy for just because he's treated like shit for so much of the movie. He, I mean, he goes pretty evil pretty fast. Yeah. But not in a way that I think I wouldn't if I had those powers. <laughs> like, okay, downside, you're gonna look like a horrible monster. Upside, you can kill everyone who's been a complete cock to you for the last three weeks. <laughs> I'm like, okay, I will do that. <laughs> Because, like, I was going through everyone he kills in the movie. No one wasn't a dick to him for no reason. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Not saying they're, like, up there on murderable offense level, but I am saying I yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so they're scanning the thing. This is that part where he doesn't know uh, pretty basic science terminology, even though he's an astronaut. Mm-hmm. His heart is made out of rocks. I, I guess all of his internal organs have turned to stone somehow. I don't know. Except, like, everything except his eyes, lips, and teeth. 
which are really obviously not. Yeah, yes? It doesn't work. I can see blood vessels in your eyes, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> I will admit, though, that there is the, the, the funny line where they're first scanning him and they're, like, looking and they're, they're talking about how, how strange his, oh, yeah. his, his organs changed. He said, you know, I used to smoke. <laughs> it, is it pretty bad? He has <laughs> to smoke. <laughs> that, was, that, was pretty that was great. <laughs> um, no, he's yeah. They have a human torch in a box that he's gonna try to heat up in. Yeah. And they say they're worried that he's going to get too hot. He, he's approaching supernova temperatures. And they say he's at 4,000 degrees Kelvin. I yeah. just thought this was worth noting. Lightning is like 15,000 degrees Kelvin. Okay. <laughs> First off, number one, okay. <laughs> first. Science! They're worried that he's going to set the atmosphere on fire and destroy all human life if he goes above a little more than a quarter as hot as lightning. <laughs> uh, is the fear that the scientist puts out there. To be fair, I mean, Sue Storm is a geneticist. She might not necessarily know that. <laughs> they both do. But, but yeah. Um, they know that he's exacting the temperature of the surface of the sun for some fucking reason. Which is most definitely a lot higher than that, I would have to imagine. I mean, again, I'm not. I ain't no scientist, but... Actually, the surface of the sun isn't as hot as the sun's sun. Oh, yeah. But, just, okay, the, the setting the atmosphere on fire thing can't be done. We've tried. We set off a nuclear fucking warhead <laughs> 70 years ago. There's <laughs> lightning every day somewhere, and Every smelting plant on the planet gets hotter than that. 
you're not going to set the atmosphere on fire. There's not enough oxygen. You can't do it. <laughs> Motherfuckers. <laughs> uh, also, however hot he is, it's not too hot for fire extinguishers inside the Sun, so they spritz him with fire extinguishers <laughs> to put him out, and it works. Uh, it's all done. Also, I mean, even if all that were true, he's just gonna keep doing yeah. it. Every, everyone, I, yeah, I, yeah, I don't know. So then it was around now, I think, the Doom has his doctor's appointment? Or is it around now the Doom kills the guy? Oh, no, no, okay, so... Because my only notes for this part is, okay, Doom is rad. Um... <laughs> And I think that's because he was in the, the doctor's office and they're saying, you know, you're infected with this metal thing. Yeah, that sounds He's right. like, no shit. <laughs> what <laughs> is it? They're like, we don't know. But listen, we are going to turn you into the CDC and get you quarantined, though. And he's like, do not do that to me. <laughs> and the guy's like, no, I'm definitely going to. So he breaks his neck. And it's <laughs> rad. And I'm yeah. okay with it. Yeah. Uh... And that's it. That's all you get of Doom. Like, he's slowly getting cooler. And that's his big problem. <laughs> and I think it was also around this time that we got the second montage in a very short span of time. Because we had the, we had the montage where they're, like, starting to try and research what's happening to them. And then there's another montage a few minutes later of them sort of trying to understand their powers and try to control them a bit better. And that's where we get that one bit of of Reed, like, pulling his entire face down so he can shave himself. Which yeah, is, is, that the one, is that the one where Johnny's, like, playing pranks on thing while he sleeps. I think, yes, yes, it was. Puts a bunch of whipped cream in his hand, tries to put feather on his face so he can't feel feathers, so he drags the entire duster across his face like wood first, and then he puts whipped cream on his face. Yeah. <laughs> I was okay with the montage. Like, they were finally having fun with it for a minute. Yeah. It seemed like. The 
another gratuitous Sue naked scene because I'm walking around the shower, of course. And she has to turn visible, and it's real funny. Uh, <laughs> and then they start talking about the uniforms, and I wrote this down. This is the quote Our uniforms were exposed to the storm like us, so they can transform like us. <laughs> like they just finished saying that it's a DNA thing like eight minutes ago. It's okay if they don't say that, but they made the decision to say that in the movie. <laughs> so either the suits are organisms that have DNA or this movie is <laughs> Do you have a preference as to which one it would be? I don't! <laughs> Actually, I guess living suits would be cool, because the Spider-Man symbiote is cool. Yeah. Wasn't in the movie, but is in the in the comics. I'm okay with that. That'd be a neat thing. Wasn't it in one of them? I thought it was. One of the Spider-Man movies, right? Didn't it have Venom? Or am I just completely misremembering? No, it did. It just that wasn't a very good movie. Oh well, yeah, that's true. But the, the premise it was based on was really cool. I don't know, I like living suits. I, uh, had a stupid idea for a comic book when I was in, like, middle school that was basically just Men in Black. But the, the idea was that it was a partnership between aliens and humans and the way the partners worked was the suit was an alien and the wearer was a person and so they were a team. Hmm. And I thought that was kind of neat because you get initiated with being bottled with this thing. But what it actually was, like a lot of my ideas in middle school, was taking three other ideas and just putting them together and calling it a new one, which is not how creativity works. But I thought it was neat. It could be in certain mediums, but yeah, probably not. I don't know. I thought it'd be cool. <laughs> bulletproof suits, they always look baller. Yeah. <laughs> so suits have DNA. Montage. Yeah. Doom has his stupid, obviously, glove hand at this point. Mm -hmm. 
where like it's turning metal, but it's way bigger than a human hand. <laughs> so it's clearly just a metal thing they've rigged up over the actor's hand because it's like twice the depth of a human finger. <laughs> but his hand is turning into metal and he goes to kill this guy in the parking structure. And this scene should have been cool but was really stupid because... He's walking out of the dark towards this guy. His obvious murder intent is really obvious. <laughs> like, A, he has a look on his face saying, I'm going to kill this man. B, he has a really good motive to kill this man that the guy knows about. And the guy makes fun of him for it, like the fact that he doesn't know he has powers is the only reason to fear a guy in a trench coat who has a lot of reason to kill him in a dark alleyway somewhere. <laughs> Was that just me? Like, no, I mean, the guy's like, hey, I ruined your company. No hard feelings, right? It gets approached with murder <laughs> stare. Like, you know, maybe you should fuck off back to your home country guy who wants to kill me. <laughs> Guns don't exist as long as you're laser hands. I'm fine. <laughs> Except guns do exist in this universe, because I know that there were, weren't there, there were like police officers that had guns. I know what you, I know what you're going yeah. for, but. <laughs> yeah, they shot the thing like six times. Yeah. But. For no reason also. Yeah. But. Yeah. I, and then he has this weird, he shoots him with a laser from his hand, but it's, he fires from the hip. So like he doesn't aim his hand at him, or he doesn't point at him, he just like, it just comes out of his hand at a weird angle and hits I him. I did not even notice that. Huh. Yeah, his, his hands are at his sides, and he, like, it's just CGI after the fact to come out of, like, the, the meaty part between his forefinger and thumb. Yeah. <laughs> to just sort of blast out at a slightly upward, not quite right angle to hit this guy in the heart, which I'm not saying it doesn't make any sense, because shooting like blasts out of your hands doesn't make any sense anyway, but it seems, it was just weird, but I think it's better than every other superpower because you don't actually have to move to use it 
Like you just lock onto the target with your eyes or something and then just follows <laughs> your gaze. Which is way better. That actually would be pretty sweet. I will admit. Yeah, I gotta just have a rotating turret somewhere on my hand and I don't have to fucking move it. I can be eating a sandwich and blasting guys across the room with my back and laser. Like, it's fun. I don't know, it's weird. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. There's nothing stealthy about it. He kills him from 15 feet away and then walks away. personality type he loves street racing mm-hmm. a guy pulls up next to him and offers to street race he's like hey would you like to be friends with me I share your interests let's do this fun thing together and Johnny melts his tires <laughs> for no reason and we're supposed to think that was a cool thing he could do with his powers because this other guy was a dick but he was a dick in exactly the same way Johnny is all the time (laughs) this made no sense oh my god and then there's motocross because again this is the early to mid-2000s. Yeah. So, what happens here? It's amazing. So, okay, let's see if I can recall exactly what happens. So, there, there at, there, there's this big, like, motocross sort of X-game show happening. Somewhere in New York, I guess, like, 30 minutes away from the Baxter building? Something like that? I don't know. And, and, because, because Johnny sees this on TV, and even though I think for the most part, Things like that are shown on tape delay, but I guess this time it was live? Because he decides, alright, I'm gonna go and do some motocross. Because, you know, we established earlier that he rides motorcycles. So, you know, after after he leaves and he does the 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 the, the tire burning bit, he just sort of arrives vandalism bit. Yes, exactly. He just sort of arrives at this uh, stadium sort of thing. 
that has all the motocross and everything set up. And then they just let him go. And he does a bunch of weird, crazy tricks and everything. Because I guess he's Johnny Storm. And I guess, the, I guess everyone just knows who he is at this point. Because of the whole Human Torch thing. And then, he thinks, alright, I'm gonna send him home with a really cool end trick. And he flies up off the ramp. He lets go of the motorcycle completely. Just lets it fall to the ground. And then he he does his his fire he does he turns into fire. Uh scares probably scares the shit out of everybody. But he can't fully control the power yet. So after what, like a couple seconds or so, the fire just kind of fizzles out, and he just falls onto the other ramp, and probably should have broken a bunch of bones in his body, but now he's fine. Yeah, because I guess being able to catch on fire also makes you have like a healing factor or something like I didn't get the connection yeah I, I don't I, I thought I was like I thought he just had the whole power of controlling fire and sort of at this point sort of flight but I I don't know maybe there are other powers that he had I don't know but then, of course, you know, after after he gives the thumbs up, it's like, oh, okay. Then, of course, everyone erupts and cheers and, you know, loses their shit. It's like, okay, that was cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Watching a guy possibly fall and break his neck, that was awesome. Yeah, sure. That was, I mean, I think that's what the X Games are about, aren't they? Or the Extreme, whatever games are. Pretty much, yeah, for the most part. I that was called. Yeah, I, uh, I don't understand why any of that happened. I mean, uh, but this is where he gives everyone their names, right? Yeah, because they're, like, interviewing him. And he said, you know, he says, what, Mr. Reed Richards is Mr. Fantastic. I don't know why they gave him that name. It's because they're the Fantastic Four, because the media decided to dub them, dub them the Fantastic Four. Well, yeah, but Johnny's the one who decides his name is Mr. Fantastic, right? Yeah. And then 
he calls uh, Sue, he calls his sister Invisible Girl. I don't know if she was Invisible Girl in the comics or what, but I thought she was Invisible Woman, but I don't know if she used to be Invisible Girl. I know she's Invisible Woman now. Yeah. I mean, when I say I I know of them from the comics, I do, but it's not like I, I happen. They're not a title I've ever collected. Like, I know the X-Men. Ask me shit about the X-Men. But, uh, I mostly see the Fantastic Four and crossovers and stuff. I'm not an expert. Okay. And then, let's see. So, I mean, he names himself, of course, because he can light himself on fire. She's the human torch. And I think just to kind of mess with Ben Grimm again, he just says, yeah, look at him. He's the thing. That's his name. The thing. It's like, okay. So... Didn't even ask, like, what is that thing or something? Yeah. I think it was something like that. And he just Which says... Is I think it's kind of a rad name. Like, if I had... If I was a rock monster, I had to pick a name for myself. Well, okay, I would be Rockstar. I just <laughs> decided that. <laughs> 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 The something isn't bad. Yeah. The boulder. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, Avatar. I love that show. That's great. Okay, so then they bicker some more. <laughs> Like, again, from this paparazzi crowd of extras, which is kind of amazing. <laughs> what? The, the thing destroys his car, which is kind of funny. He crumples it up into a ball. Oh, yeah. Johnny starts saying he wants to fight, which is ridiculous, because the thing's fireproof and Johnny has Nothing to back it up with. Well, wasn't... Well, maybe this might not have been in this scene, but I thought there was a... There was one point where where the thing actually does just punch the shit out of Johnny. No, it's the scene. Oh, okay. It was the scene. That's what I thought. Yeah, like they're going to, and he starts walking with and Johnny starts throwing fireballs in the back of his head. Right. To get him to turn around and punch him. Which, again, doesn't hurt him at all, because he's a rock. <laughs> and the only reason Johnny survives the encounter at all is because Mr. Fantastic takes the punch for him mostly. Mm-hmm. 
it's it's just funny because there's no possible way he could hurt the thing at all. And he's the one starting shit. And I find that very amusing for reasons mostly dating back to school. Um, you can't hurt me. I'm huge. Stop. Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. Bam. Principal's office. That's how it goes. They have pop rockets everywhere. Then they go. They have the bar scene, which is pretty good. For me, I mean, like the every everything was fine except for I don't remember her name. The blind girl. Just because it it, it 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 bothered me just because the actress who 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 portrayed her was like it's there there are times where an actor can actually train themselves to look like they're blind and she, it didn't look like she even bothered to try doing that because there were so many points where I was noticing like she's actually sort of looking at his features instead of just kind of staring you know if that makes any sense like she's at, like she's like when she was like when she was sort of touching his face and trying to get a feel for what he looked like and it sort of seemed like she was sort of still using her eyes to see if that makes any sense I don't know if it does yeah, I, I didn't notice it but I'll take your word for it I noticed it just seemed like that to me and then there was that point where she left and she's like turning, you know, she she does the little look about, look back behind her uh, over her shoulder and it's like you wouldn't do that if you were actually blind, you wouldn't know where the hell you were looking come on I'm sorry, it was bullshit to me, but that's just that's just again because of my situation. So, eh, you know, whatever. No, I mean, you, you know, blind. I'm blind. So yeah, I might not pick up on if someone's being blind. Wrong. Well, I mean, like I'm, like I'm, I'm not, I'm not blind, blind, but like I, I feel like I, I feel like. It, it just seems like it's a lot more obvious that she's not really trying to be blind. I don't know. But it just it, it, it that just kind of irked me a bit. But uh, hey, listen, if any blind people are listening to the podcast. Write in and let us know. That's not cool. 
No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. It's right in. Nah, I know, I know. They, <laughs> right. I know, I know. Although, come think that I was going to ask if that scene looked right, so I was still being a dick and didn't realize it. <laughs> God, I'm really bad at stuff. <laughs> if anyone lives with blind people, let us know, because I didn't know if that was off or not. Yeah, there we go. There we go. Perfect. Okay. Yeah. I just... God, that was close. But, yeah, her scene was okay. I feel like the version I saw must be a theatrical cut because I know I've seen in the past more scenes with her in the thing where, because she's a sculptor and I, I you wouldn't know that from this one Yeah, I, I know there's some weird sequence where she's like touching Oliver or brushing him or sculpting him or something that I've seen in deleted scenes or another cut or something in the past. So I feel like their relationship doesn't make any sense because they're together at the end of the movie and this is the only scene they have together. Yeah, that... In this version, right? Yeah, it, it was... It just seemed... It seemed like such a... Not a surprise that they ended up together, but they just... They had the one scene and then... I guess it was just implied that stuff happened between that point and the end and the the epilogue of the movie, I guess. So it just Yeah. I it, it definitely felt like a lot of I think in general, it felt like a lot of scenes of this movie were removed for for one reason or another, and I don't know, I don't know which version of the movie uh, we watched. So I mean, there there might have been a, an extended edition on DVD or something that that expanded upon some of the other scenes that may or may not have been seen in the theatrical release or the or the version we watched. So Yeah, and it it might be there's a non-zero chance that I'm just getting mixed up with stuff from the sequel because I know I've seen that at least once. But I don't think so. 
but it wasn't it wasn't her so much. I forget her name, but it wasn't so much the woman as I liked the like how the bar reacts to him. First off, again, I'm just I'm impressed by how you use the weight effect because the actual <laughs> actor only weighed like 200 pounds plus 30 pounds of makeup or something. Yeah. But they do like the creaking floor, like the pool table sort of lilts towards him every time he takes a step. Like it's, it's pretty good. Just the way the room reacts to him. And then he breaks the barstool immediately, and some of the patrons laugh. And I like how the bartender, who knows him from before, and is apparently a better friend to him than his wife, <laughs> yeah. um, sort of comes like, hey, this here's the first guy from Brooklyn to go to space. Social respect. <laughs> Yeah. Like, that's a really good point. Yeah. Like, <laughs> this guy's a rock monster because he's a successful astronaut. Fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> and then, like, I don't know what happens later. I would have liked more scenes of him trying to like, go back to his old life though, because it was this was the first one that was well done. I thought Yeah. Uh, and we're supposed to feel pretty bad for him, but we haven't seen any of the actual effects of it except just the actors in a costume now for most of the movie, you know? Yeah. And that one montage where he accidentally eats the fork, which is kind of funny. (laughs) 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 So, it goes from here pretty much immediately to... A dinner scene, right? Like he's at a diner eating just like 8,000 pancakes and Von Doom walks in because he just got finished marrying out a parking structure. <laughs> I think, didn't they, sh- they show the scene with uh, with Reed and Sue, I think, before this? Because they were, because like okay, they, yeah. they were sort of like rekindling their whatever relationship you might want to call it, I guess. No, because no way. Was this the part where Reed was talking about where he wanted to build build the machine? to sort of try and revert them, or was that after Right. Uh, no, that's definitely come up before this point. Okay. Because C- this is the one where Sue wakes him up and he's got, like, the computer keyboard impression on his face, oh, which is kind yeah. of fun. Yeah. And that one looked pretty good, I thought. 
like just as a funny little extra. I like a lot of the funny little extras they put in a lot better than when they try to feature the powers. Yeah, definitely. It's like, when they're featuring his stretchy bullshit, it's bad. When he's asleep at his desk and wakes up and you can see, like, half the keyboard on his face for a second because he's rubber and then it goes away, that's cool. Like, I like it. For whatever reason. Yeah. So... No, so, so Sue convinces him to go on a date with her to the planetarium. I'll we'll get some weird backstory about the first date, and I don't care, I don't care, I don't care. <laughs> but it's cute. Uh, I mean, it's... I guess. it's it's okay. It's about as it's about as good as we can as we can expect from these characters, I suppose. But or with at least these interpretations of the characters, but it's still kind of like it's still a bit cringeworthy. But. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I don't think I hate the scene. I think I just don't care about their relationship at all. Because they've been so kind of... And again, this isn't the actors. I've seen them both do really good performances in other movies. Yeah. Um, But they just have them sort of sleepwalking through the whole thing. Yeah. So I don't care about this, but <laughs> back to the thing at a diner who's just eating, or he's drinking tea. Yeah. Oh, and that's the other thing. Like, I like that he accidentally breaks the glass in the bar. I like that he's being super ginger with this really <laughs> heavy duty looking. Uh, saucer yeah. in the restaurant. <laughs> just, just... Like, you know, just that sort of stuff. Like, it's it's well done. He's got his rubber, probably gentler than actual human flesh suit, but it looks like he's gonna break everything very easily. I, I enjoy it. Yeah. And then Von Doom just got back from murdering and sees him in the window. <laughs> so he's like, I'm gonna buy 47 pancakes. <laughs> and he does. <laughs> and because everyone's a child, all he has to say is, you know, I bet. Dr. Richards isn't working as fast as he could be because he's spending time with Sue. And then when the thing gets back and turns out he was spending time with Sue, there is a fight. (laughs) 
and everyone is so emotional. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's kind of... I, I don't know, just the whole, the whole fact that that Von Doom was able to just manipulate the thing in such a simple way, just from, I don't know, it kind of, it calls into question whether or not they were, I mean, I don't know, the whole, the whole friendship, it seemed like Reed and Ben Grimm were like, they're, oh, they're, they're besties, but because Von Doom says one thing, suddenly they're not friends anymore. I also, I don't get Von Doom's motivation at this point. Like, he decided at some point, okay, well, I killed a guy. I guess I've got to kill all my friends. <laughs> I didn't see. Like, whenever he decided it was a good idea to try to take out the Fantastic Four, I missed that part entirely. Because this is already the plot to get rid of the thing so that Mr. Fantastic has no protection because he knows he's better than all of them. Yeah, I don't even... I don't even remember seeing anything like that happening about him him deciding suddenly it's like, okay, now I have to kill the Fantastic Four. It just kind of... I think he just kind of leapt past any sort of plot device that would explain why, and just like, okay, I'm gonna kill them now. I get. Well, I remember there was a scene because I remember him saying, "All I have to do is deal with his bodyguard," and then it cuts to Ben Grimm. Yeah. So. He might have said something at that point, but... Well, he has a short monologue announcing that's his plan now. I just, I missed the part where... Why is he doing any of that, you know? I mean, I think... The, the motivation is probably just because... And because Reed cost him so much money, I guess, in his company. And then there's the whole thing about him losing Sue, I guess. So it's like... Yeah, but... I mean, I need need to be connected at least. Like, if he's just mad, he's gonna kill... His ex-girlfriend and her new boyfriend, like, that's... People in real life have killed people for less, but I need to see him 
come to that, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> so it's already in this plan. And it works really easily because I wrote the child. <laughs> yes. I don't know if it's around now that he breaks into, like, his own military surplus, whatever, because he's also a weapons developer. Yeah, I think it was around here. I do like they don't show us the whole boring action scene of him being invincible and electrocuting everyone. Like, he's just walking over bodies and whatever. <laughs> but then, because the audience is babies and they think we're stupid, <laughs> it's just a big, like, yellow label that says, Heat-seeking missile on <laughs> Like he grabs that and then the crate says hyper cooling unit and he grabs that. <laughs> like this is how people label things. <laughs> so he gets these back to the loft. Uh, Mr. Fantastic is testing himself on the thing. Or testing the thing on himself to see if it works. Yeah, it doesn't. He melts himself. But it doesn't take, I guess. He's fine. Yeah, it, it seemed like... Whatever. It, no, I, I, I was just going to say, it's, it seemed like... It seemed like it was going to adversely affect him to the point where it just ended up killing him, but he was fine a couple minutes later, so I guess not? Eh. Yeah, and they explained it like he was doing the right thing but didn't have enough electricity to finish. Yeah, like, there wasn't enough time to think that, like, okay, so all I need to do is take some electricity from the city and add it to the all the electricity from the city, and then it will be enough. <laughs> that fucking Yeah. So, but... Richards knocks himself out. So then Doom just walks right in. He's done this like six times. <laughs> so he's just there so he can talk with Thing and be like, hey, uh, this works. I'm sure of it. Don't ask me how or why or anything. Do you want to do this or not? Don't puss it out. Don't be a pussy. Um, well, I mean, the fact that that Doom actually already has the exact same uh, contraption that Reed was building, only better in this in like less amount of time. I mean, oh, it's the same. It's the same contraption. Yeah. 
Oh, I thought it was a different. I thought it was he had his own one, but I guess. Maybe. Oh no, that that's he just breaks in the Fantastic Force place. Okay, it's, it's, it's their machine. Okay, see, I I completely misunderstood that then. Okay, never mind. Sorry, continue. No, it, it doesn't make a lot more sense. He just walks in and out of that place all day long. Okay. He's just back. And then this part doesn't make any sense to me. Like, it works. The thing gets turned back into just baby man. Yeah. And then... He's super grateful. Pendrin loves Doctor Doom at this point. And now he announces his evil plan so that he hates him. <laughs> Shoves him across the room but doesn't kill him. For no reason. Like he could have had... Just a great friend who likes him better than his best friend. Besides, that's dumb. It's better if people hate him. But it's also dumb to actually take people out of the pictures so and shove him and leave. <laughs> like, I don't understand any of this. I don't understand why he announces his evil plan. I don't understand what his evil plan is. I don't understand why he doesn't kill Ben Grimm when he finally has a chance to. I don't understand any of this. Yeah, I, uh, your guess is as good as mine, honestly, at this point. Okay. Well, then he grabs Mr. Fantastic and freezes him, which I guess doesn't kill him, but it seems like you could still die from being frozen. Wait, did we skip, did we skip the part where I actually fired off the missile, or was that later? I cannot remember. I, like, the sequence of events in this movie is just completely... Oh, no, you're right. You're right. He does that first. Okay. Okay. Yeah. You describe it. It's oh. funny. Uh, so, I... See, okay, now this... Uh, my, my description might not be the best because, again, at this point, I was sort of not really paying a lot of attention to the movie. And a lot of the events just sort of bled together. But oh, you know, it, it is not or because he fires the missile from this room where he's got frozen Mr. Fantastic. Okay. okay. So yeah, so he he so he has he has Mr. Fantastic frozen. And then he fires off the heat-seeking missile because, you know, uh, human torch, I guess. And I, I get I, <laughs> that, That's the best description I can think of. Is like, 
because the human torch is a, is a person, and he so will probably seek him out because he's the hottest person. I just like that his evil plan is something literally anyone with his tool could do. <laughs> it's just... Any military person with a heat-seeking missile can do exactly what I'm going to do right now. Yeah. And it's shooting. <laughs> so, I mean, but he fires it off. He fires it, I guess, in the general vicinity of the Baxter building where uh, Sue and Johnny have discovered that Ben has turned back into Ben. He's not the thing anymore. And then, I guess... And it's... Apparently he's already a couple hundred degrees because it picks up on him when he's not all flamed out. Yeah, I guess he's just, I guess internally he's just always that temperature. Yeah, but I mean, if it makes it to the surface, it means that everyone around him is dead. Like, if he's six feet tall and 500 degrees, you can't stand in an elevator with him. Like, that's not... I, I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe there's just, maybe he can regulate, I, see, I, I don't, I don't want to try to, I don't want to. kill everybody, that's all yeah, I'm okay, that's fine. I don't want to play devil's advocate for this movie anymore, I don't care, this movie's stupid, <laughs> this movie's full of shit, it's a dumbass movie. Okay, sorry, hey, no, sorry, it's okay, it's okay. <laughs> It's <laughs> like, I know, I, I'm the one who's trying to play devil's advocate, and I realized halfway through, I was like, why am I doing this? This movie, <laughs> doesn't, this movie doesn't make any sense. This movie doesn't need a devil's advocate. Fair enough. So, he fires off the missile, and I guess they see it coming? Or something. I I don't know if it was just this. I mean, it was whatever. Well, so, it's, it's a really slow missile with a really obvious contrail behind it. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. So of course, because uh, because Johnny's like, oh, it must be aimed for me because I'm the hot one. So then he, he just, he, he jumps out the window because, you know, he's like, okay, I sort of flew a couple times. I still don't know how to control it, but I'm sure it'll work this time. And of course he's falling and it's like, okay, this is not working, it's not working, it's not working. Then he yells his catchphrase and it works, of course. Uh, And then he starts... Code word. Yeah, of course. It's like, you know, whatever. Oh shit, that reminds me. They didn't... 
we didn't talk about the whole thing where where Johnny had some some toy company rig up a toy the thing action figure that actually says it's claw print time which I thought was adorable I like I feel like the thing would be kids favorite if those guys were real yeah definitely but uh, anyway, sorry that because it that because it comes up later, obviously. But right, is the whole catchphrase thing. But so he so he flies. He I guess the the missile is attracted to him because he's way hotter than everything else in the city at that point in time. And he he like he's he's trying to to blow up the missile by throwing fireballs at it for like a good thirty seconds or so. Oh, that's the thing. He doesn't even throw fireballs at. It. He throws fireballs in random directions, hoping the missile will follow them. Oh. Okay. See, I see again. This is this is one of those things with action. It also leads like, it right through downtown, <laughs> where like he's flying. There's fully half of directions he could go, or at least above the city. But no, he's like, what if I kill a thousand people? <laughs> Because I'm a superhero. <laughs> but he eventually, he eventually takes it out over the, the bay or the harbor or something, over some water. And, yeah, I, I actually don't even know what happens. Because, like, again, the whole he thing about... A- Toxic garbage fire. <laughs> um, on a barge, he passes over, flies through the flames. It blows up the barge, killing two to five sanitation workers. Um, and then he is safe in the water. <laughs> Now, another thing he could have done is gone into the water. Yeah. Would also have done it. That's what I see. Um, yeah. That's what I was thinking would have been the logical choice of things to do. But again... Or keep flying for like another 30 seconds until that thing runs out of fuel because it's not the human torch and it needs fuel. Yeah. Or... Many things (laughs) could have been done. (laughs) If he decides to explode... Flaming toxic garbage all over the bay and kill everyone nearby. That's his plan. 
Oh. I also love that it could have been like Doom could have just waited in their place and blown it up with anything else. Like his plan is to shoot a heat-seeking rocket at the lab on top of the Baxter building. He could have done a regular rocket or like a dynamite stick. <laughs> or he's made out of steel. He could have stood there with a grenade and let that go off. Like, his plan is dumb. But meanwhile, he's freezing Reed Richards. He doesn't kill Richards either. He just leaves him frozen so that he can do that. Yeah. To him. Yeah. Which. Well, this is the part that I was confused by. So. Not only is he stretchy, he's also. Cold proof. Because if you've frozen him hard enough to be brittle, you've also frozen him hard enough to kill him. Right? You'd think so. Like somehow his organs are just also invincible, which is a helpful power. Yeah, definitely. Like, I, I would take that bit. Without the stretching, thank you very much. I, I would, I would as well. So like, what's your power? Like, oh, nothing can kill me. Also, like, you can reach things six feet away, whatever. <laughs> um, and then Sue Storm shows up. She's invisible. Everyone gets across town really fast this movie. Because, <laughs> like, he fires a rocket out the door, or out the window, and in the time it takes Johnny to kill a bunch of people out on the bay, um, <laughs> she makes her way across all of town and up this building well, down the first building, across town, up this building, he's in the room with them. Busts him out, fights Doom for like a couple seconds, gets her ass kicked. He doesn't kill her either, he wants to shove her around instead. Of course. I do really like her, like, self bolts. The design for her, because she just shoots these, like, glass-looking, they just punch you in the face, bolts of people, uh, telekinetic blasts, whatever the hell you want to call them. Yeah. But the way they do the CGI's movies is just sort of a image of her, like her face and neck and torso sort of fly off like she's shooting force fields. 
there are these weird self bolts, and I kind of like that. Like it's this wave in the shape of her that she's just kind of firing off or something. Yeah. Um, where to me, I don't know why, but it makes more sense as power. You don't quite understand. You're just gonna like throw yourself at something <laughs> than like firing arrow looking things out of your arms or head or something. Like just the <clears throat> makes a lot of sense. Like the tackle motion, you know. Yeah. I can see that. Kind of like it. Yeah. But he kicks her yeah. ass too. But it's not going to kill her because that's his ultimate plan, not his do when it's convenient. <laughs> and then the thing busts in because he managed to turn himself back. Go downstairs, cross town, go upstairs and crash through the wall. Also in that 45 seconds. <laughs> I actually really like this part though. Like the the fist fight between the thing and Doctor Doom. Yeah. Who looks pretty cool by the way, because at some point in the last scene or two, he's taken this ridiculous humanitarian award, which is a helmet. (laughs) (laughs) It's a helmet slash spooky mask that someone gave him as a humanitarian award. But it's cool looking. He's decided he's gonna wear that because his face is all scarred and it's like, I guess his skin's going to decompose off another week or two anyway. Well, because wasn't it the, the whole deal was that when he, when he, he turned the thing back into Ben, it sort of, like, accelerated the virus in him or something, the mutation. I think that I thought that I was... couldn't tell. Like it definitely destroyed more of his skin, but I couldn't tell what his powers were before all that, because all he used was he lightning the shit out of that one guy one time. Yeah. So I don't know what his deal was. I mean, he's already strong enough to break people's necks and stuff. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Mm. Oh, well. But he's decided he's going to go full bore with it, and I like his costume design. I don't like this version of Doctor Doom, but they got the look right. Yeah, definitely. Where he's got, like, the hood and you can't actually do the hood and the tunic and the cloak thing directly from Thomas because it would look silly and you'd wonder why he wasn't wearing pants <laughs> but they do a big coat thing with the hood 
that creates really similar impression and looks good on screen. Like, I like it. Yeah. It's good. It's solid. Yeah, definitely. It's the last kind of thing I'm going to say about it, but it looks good. <laughs> <laughs> um, and the, the fist fight looks good, because you do that thing where... Like, he knocks them out the window, they're punching each other on the way down, they crash through the, build, the ceiling of another building, into an indoor swimming pool. Yeah. Again, they do the weights really good, because they're on the bottom of this pool, punching each other, the ground's cracking below them. Mm-hmm. Shows the guy downstairs, there's water dripping out of the ceiling and everyone's sort of freaking out because something's wrong upstairs. And they're both way too heavy to float, so they're just standing on bomb pool punching each other with all these bubbles. <laughs> it's kinda cool. Yeah. That breaks the water flows down like out a window. Like it's it's very, you know. I it, it, it's an interesting set piece. Yeah, that they keep doing. And the the unfortunate thing for me is that I the only thing I could think of while I was watching this was who's gonna pay for the repairs. That's all I could think of when I was watching the scene, and I don't know why. It's <laughs> like, does the city pay for this? Is this private property? Who pays for it? It's just... It's your concerned renter now. Yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> it's like, whoever pays, whoever's going to pay for it is going to have to pay out the ass, and that's unfortunate. I don't know. Anyway, sorry, continue. <laughs> no, just, just that's it, because then immediately it's stupid and when they hit the ground. Oh, yeah. Because um, when well, they landed in a, uh, a dump truck, they beat each other up in the dump truck. Um, he throws the thing into a truck. And they just destroy a bunch of vehicles and kill some more people because they always do that in superhero movies. <laughs> um, but then, all at once, Mr. Fantastic is there. He's all thought out. Sue's there. She's unchoked and non-concussed. <laughs> and Johnny's there because he can find the Isaac Street corner. <laughs> From climbing out the Hudson and just jogging there, whatever the hell. So they're all there, it's fine. Uh, thing throws someone's car at someone. <laughs> yeah. Uh, standing right next to a piece of destroyed dump truck, you're gonna destroy someone's escalate, whatever. <laughs> And 
that's where I heard the Wilhelm scream again. Yeah, that was where the next one was. Were there others, or was that... That, that was the only other one that I noticed. There might have been other ones, but that one and the one at the very beginning were the only one that I actually noticed. Okay. And then uh, Doom charges up. He's pulling lightning from everywhere. There's lightning everywhere, crackling through the air. Everybody is dead, except they're not. But... There's definitely like eight billion amps going through the air <laughs> in that intersection. Yeah. And then Mr. Fantastic is like, okay, remember that extinction level event I told you about that would destroy all life on the planet? Do that because he's hurting us. The supernova. <laughs> Right. Yeah. yeah. Which, leaving aside the fact that it's impossible in the first place, yeah. the movie's established that it's not. Movie says this is what's gonna happen. And then the superheroes are like, do it anyway. Destroy life on the planet. <laughs> yeah. But instead of destroying life, all life on the planet, so what he go he he attempts to do his supernova thing, but they he but they have Sue contain the fire within a, a bubble sort of thing. To, to sort of superheat yeah. Doom. To Which he doesn't know she can do. He asks, hey Sue, can you contain it? After he's like, go ahead and set the world on fire. <laughs> so, yeah, so, I mean, they, somehow she does. I didn't, didn't hurt. Wasn't there, like, a little nosebleed effect at one point on her? Yeah, so it's so it's like, really difficult. So it's like, it's oh, just so it's like, telekinetic? I, I don't know. All I was thinking was, oh, good, so she's having an aneurysm. That's great. Uh, while she's doing this. So then they... I guess after however however long they determine is long enough for him to be in the fire they just stop then yeah they, they stop and then because they oversimplify things a lot <laughs> yes Eight minutes after that, what happens to rubber when it is super cold? Yeah. Um, now they're like, hey, what happens to metal when it's super hot? And then you make it colder with 
water really quickly. Doom. <laughs> they knock a fire hydrant open and blast them with water. But for like eight seconds. Yeah. Like it was weird. Yeah. Because blasting with water for a little while, there's a bunch of steam. Then he closes it off, like, much sooner than even it takes to temper, like, regular forged stuff. Yeah. Whatever, whatever. But they've, they've frozen him solid by getting super hot and cooling him down again. So it's this weird, naked, wrong angle. You don't see his dick. <laughs> um, which would have been just really funny for me. I don't know why. But it's a movie for nine-year-olds, fair enough. Yeah. Uh, so you have this naked metal guy who is either dead or just trapped for an eternity in the worst thing imaginable. <laughs> I and the always crowd is there too it's all <laughs> so then it ends well it doesn't end cause then they're on a boat party right right yeah they're at the party uh the thing is back with his with his apparently now girlfriend, uh, the blind girl. Yeah, which, I, I mean, this is my notes at this point, like, wait, are those two fucking? Because <laughs> yeah, cause it, it definitely looked like they were about to go do that, to go do something. Well, because cause she says something like, because he shatters a glass in her hand, <laughs> which she is blind, she feels everything, and he just <laughs> lacerated the shit out of her hand, except for some reason it didn't. She says that he's getting better, he's need to work on his touch. Right. He's like, I love the sound of that. <laughs> but all I know about the thing so far is he weighs more than 700 pounds. Probably more than 1,000 pounds. He is literally rock hard in every part of his body and his fingers are the size of baseballs. <laughs> Don't want to make any like 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 guesses about his genitals but I think that that's a death sentence. 
prefer Pacha thing than this just to do like tree trunks with the I can actually do it that, that's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, and then what? He has fireworks and moves over, except. Right. We see that we've got Dr. Doom in a shipping crate. And he, much like Reed Richards, is internal organ damage proof. <laughs> Dr. Doom is starve proof. And dehydrate proof, <laughs> as they say. How long will it take to get there? And they say about 12 days. And they're like, Tronics Flicker, so you know he's still alive. Seal him in this giant shipping container, pan out to show the two people who were just talking could not have been standing there <laughs> because it is the fourth crate up. Like, <laughs> they somehow fucked that up. <laughs> Like they're standing on nothing, talking about whatever. It's, I mean, like I, I, like I measured, those are 10 feet tall. They are 30 feet off the ground in that scene. I, I checked out so far in advance of this, I did not even notice that. But think back now, like they're they're right there in front of it. They close the door. They're talking back and forth, like it'll be twelve days. They walk off camera to the right. It pans out to show there is no ground. <laughs> he is the third up on this giant freaking boat going towards Liberia. Because they've written Lavaria in letters 20 <laughs> on the back of the boat because they think we're idiots still. And then the movie ends. Well, I mean, you have to remember, it's not for idiots, it's for eight-year-old boys. Do remember that. Sometimes... Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. Children are idiots. Yeah. Oh, no, I know. That's, that, yeah. Yeah. And that was the Fantastic Four. Yep. And I think appropriately enough, because I they probably reserved a bunch of extra songs for the movie, but didn't actually use them. There are like four songs in the end credits, which is like oh, I didn't watch the end credits. I, I for some reason I was watching them because I thought there was going to be something that came up afterwards, and of course this was before they started doing that in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. 
So there wasn't anything that happened. But there were like four songs during the credits, which don't most movie credits have like two songs? I don't know actually. Oh, well, I don't know. But it's, I mean, if it was a Marvel, like the Avengers label movie, they would have just done the thing with Doom and the shipping container after the credits instead of yeah, yeah, exactly. That um, like that's that's like true. it had a stinger. It's just not a stinger. Yeah, the stinger was before the credits, which is not how a stinger works. But right, but but it was an awkward like thirty second cut at the end of everything just to do the. I mean, they've been doing that forever, I guess. That's the thing that a lot of movies do. Yeah. But still, no, I I sat through the entire end credits expecting to see something else, and then nothing happened. So, okay, well, I just wasted eight more minutes of my life Sitting well, if you want to see, if, if you want to see more of these guys, did make a sequel. It's called Rise of the Silver Surfer. Yeah, I don't know if it's better or worse. Actually, it's not very good. <laughs> I've I've never seen it, mostly because. I didn't, I saw this, I saw the first one maybe a year or so after the original, or after it came out, and then I guess I just did not want to bother seeing the, uh, the sequel, so I have not seen the sequel. I'm, I have that weird sort of morbid curiosity to see it though so oh I mean I would watch it if you haven't seen it because the the advantage movies like this like I didn't think this was a very good movie and I've seen it enough times at this point that I didn't get a whole lot out of it this time but it's it's not a boring even when it's dumb, it's got weird shit happening that'll engage you just for the premise of nothing else. Yeah. Like, it's got that sort of enjoys that, that same, like, sci-fi or fantasy or horror get out jail free card for me. It was like, even if it's bad, like, they have an idea they're showing you of something happening, you know? Like, even if it's a pretty trite love scene, 
setting its back on this rock monster <laughs> fire douche that are not gonna go on. You know, it's the... Uh, yeah, like, no, no matter... No matter what's... No matter whether or not something interesting is happening, there's always something going on in the movie. Yeah. And I think the sequel's like that, too, where it doesn't have to be good to be a, a new experience for two hours of your life, you know? Yeah. Uh, I've, like, there were, there were enough interesting set pieces in the movie to keep things a bit fresh, but then again, there, there was also this whole... Their, their whole issue with, you know, how time works and how they just managed to sort of skip between set pieces without any, any semblance of logic, but, yeah, I mean, they were there, I don't know, well, so, why don't you just ask you this in a broad term? Well, oh, one thing that might be relevant is apparently Jessica Alba had a horrible kidney infection during this movie, which might have had an effect on things because she is usually quite a bit better, and I wondered once I learned that if that had something to do with it. Huh. She's apparently in a lot of pain feeling kind of sick to her stomach through a lot of the movie. I couldn't tell you which scenes, but that was the thing. Well, if that's the case, then I actually will give her a lot of credit for being able to, to power through as much of the movie if that is the case. Yeah, and apparently the only one who had a history with the comics before the movie was Michael Chiklis. Like, the other ones didn't, hadn't read them and didn't quite know who the characters were. And Chiklis did, which I think is probably why he had such a sort of strong character for the thing going in. I'm a little surprised Chris Evans didn't because he loves doing comic book movies, so I thought he'd be a fan. <laughs> yeah, because he was in uh, he was he was in Scott Pilgrim, and he was Captain he was Captain America. Or I yeah, guess he was still in is. Losers, I think. He's. One of the guys in that one. But this one, like, it could have been a lot better. I like to torch the relationship a lot more than the stuff. <laughs> yeah. And I could have seen if all four of them had that sort of chemistry, I think it would have been a much better movie without changing anything about the plot. Yeah, but if you're going to make a, a full movie out of rich people bickering, <laughs> the bickering needs to be 
pretty clever, pretty engaging, you know? Yeah. Uh, and it mostly wasn't. Yeah. I just, it just felt like, well, as you said, billionaires bickering over nothing important. So. Yeah. Until the very end when it's a pretty standard superhero fight scene. Yeah. But, all that said, I think I would actually recommend it um, to anyone who hasn't seen it before. Because it's not so bad that it, like, offends me. Possibly just because I don't care much about the source material. But because I don't, it's not, it's not, like, so bad it's good bad. But it's also not so bad it's just bad bad. Like, not kind of just not so bad it's horrible. Yeah, it's kind of just dumb, but in a kind of fun, light way. Like, even the tribe be pretty grim from time to time, it never actually gets there. So it's a sort of overall positive cheery experience kind of yeah and I I recommend it not strongly but like if it's a take it or leave it sort of thing like yeah couldn't go wrong seeing this movie I think but what do you think I think for me for uh, the, I I would I would honestly have a hard time recommending it uh, as 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 an actual film because for me I've like I've seen it twice now and those two times were probably about a decade apart. And <laughs> like I don't, I did not, re- I don't remember anything from my first viewing of the film, and I barely remember anything from my second viewing of the film, which I watched yesterday. And I'm not saying that's necessarily a bad thing. Because there were a few, a few decent memorable moments and a couple of decent set pieces, and enough, uh, enough objectification of Sue Storm to keep me interested for a couple minutes. <laughs> I guess I know I sound like an awful, I sound awful, but you know whatever. No, it's they put it in there. there I think yeah. specifically captured for that reason. Yes. No, yeah. uh, there, there is. She doesn't look like or act like Sue Storm, but what she is is the prettiest actor in Hollywood. The years came out. Yeah, so. exactly. So, 
I would, I would have a hard time recommending it. I would say, like you, like you mentioned before, that the the dynamic between uh, between the thing and the Human Torch was great. I I really I enjoyed I enjoyed uh, Michael Chiklis's performance overall. I mean, he was probably, for me, he was like the, for me, he was the the biggest redeeming quality of the movie. I know you said the Human Torch is probably your favorite, but for me, even though, I mean, it's definitely one of those two. Yeah. Yeah. But it's which one's first and which one's second is I think the only thing we're gonna disagree on. Yeah, exactly. Like they're they're both they're both at least enjoyable characters to watch if for entirely different reasons. But I mean I guess if if nothing else it's 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 decent enough to watch for their for their dynamic, not just for the the dynamic between between the thing and the human torch, but for their individual performances as well. Because they both they both at least make they they both have fun with their roles, I guess. And that's I yeah. mean, if nothing else, they have they're those two, which is essentially forty percent of the entire cast, and you know, almost half the cast being enjoyable is decent for uh, an early for a sort of relatively early on in the the whole superhero movie craze that's happened over the last decade or so so I mean although to be fair I haven't really seen a lot of those so take take my opinions on the on superhero movies with a grain of salt. Fair enough. But, but I mean, I guess it's like, it's not, like you said, it's, it's not, it's not so bad it's good, but it's also not so bad it's horrible. Or, and if we're gonna keep using TV tropes, uh, titles, I might as well call it so okay it's average. <laughs> so, like, it's okay, it's not good, it's not bad, it's not terrible. It's it's something you can just kind of put on and watch and not really pay attention, but still sort of enjoy it. So, it's, I, I guess I could sort of recommend it, but just 
barely. Yeah. Yeah, I just think it's 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 better than the really dumb modern battleship uh, Transformers sort of that I up knock buildings over. Yeah, you know. Uh, yeah, because at least it. I don't know. I mean, like, I, I haven't seen those either, so I can't really give a good opinion on you, you'd be You'd be surprised how many movies I haven't seen. Especially my, my floor is much lower than yours because I've seen so many no, I, more I mean, it's entirely movies. possible because, like, I've, I don't really watch that many recent movies. Like, I haven't seen that many recent movies in the last ten years. So, uh, we'll see. Uh, maybe, maybe with this, with this we can, uh, I can, I can watch more films that I haven't yet seen. Which would be nice, I think. But, yeah, I mean, overall, this was a it's an okay movie. It's not good, but it's not terrible. So it's something like I said. It's something you can just sort of put on and and sort of watch and sort of pay attention to every once in a while. But like I don't remember any of the dialogue. I don't really. I didn't really care about most of the characters or their motivations, but it's like, it's okay. It's okay. We'll go with that. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, ignoring fact that just spent the entire podcast pointing out how stupid it was. Uh, <laughs> it was it was engaging enough that I kept noticing how stupid it was. <laughs> um, exactly. Which a lot of really stupid movies aren't where I'll I'll have 15 minutes where I knew it was really stupid and then have mostly stopped because why would I continue? And this is not one of those. Yeah. It is pretty dumb. But yes. Yeah. I'll watch it. I'm sure I'll see it again if it keeps being on every cable movie channel uh, every Sunday. <laughs> yeah. It'll come up. <laughs> yeah. But it's, it's, yeah. It's yeah. a movie. It's a film. It exists. It is definitely a film. Yeah. Cool. Well, okay then. 
that was 2005's Fantastic Four, one of three Fantastic Four movies we're gonna force ourselves to watch. It's God. <laughs> so, what? Rise of the Silver Surfer and then the reboot? Yeah, and then, and then the 1994, the, the Roger Corman film. That, yeah. <laughs> that one I actually wouldn't mind seeing last just because it's Roger Corman. And uh, I think I could enjoy that one a bit more. Maybe. Sounds like a challenge. Okay, yeah. <laughs> let's do it. <laughs> right, um, next time, shoot, should we come up for next time? We'll watch another movie. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to see one and talk about it. <laughs> That, that seems about as as uh, as much as we can can say at the moment. So let's go with that. Yeah. More yeah. movies will be forthcoming. Yes. Um, and we'll let you know when we do. Which yeah. will be. Yes, exactly. Okay, well, do we have a sign off? I forget already. I. Uh, I'm not good with sign offs. So I don't know. I don't think we had one. Alright. Well, um, uh, if, if, if this has been reminding you that, um, a, a, a good breakfast, uh, will make you much more productive in the hours before noon. Um, it feels like it feels like more work than it's worth, but it's not. It's, it's the most important meal of the day. <laughs> uh, I know that's that's trite, and people have been saying that forever, but it's also it's also true. You should eat breakfast. Um, you should also eat lunch and dinner. You can also fit, like, another meal between breakfast and lunch. Um, and another one between lunch and dinner if you're dedicated enough. You can actually fit in, like, three after dinner before you go to sleep, depending on what time you go to bed. Um, but logically, if... Eating a, a good breakfast makes you more productive in the morning than eating, you know, like eight to nine meals a day will make you much more productive. Um, 
mathematically. So that's my advice uh, for the for the day. <laughs> and uh, this this is Sam, and I suppose my 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 uh, my advice would be. Patrons at patreon.com slash matinee manatees. If you like what you've heard and like to hear more, consider becoming a patron. Donations start at just $1 a month, and half of all profits after hosting costs go towards actual manatee habitat preservation. You can listen to our podcast on iTunes, the Stitcher app, or on YouTube. Our music was composed by Kevin McLeod. You can find this track and hundreds of others on his website, incompetech.com. Thanks for listening.